0: sweet let's go man all right
1: let's do it we're here (laughs) might as well
0: so let's just start with tell me do you want to talk about mike t can you talk about
1: that i can talk about football i can talk about coaching yeah i can do all that kind of stuff well let's do this talk about anything you want to talk about
0: so here's where i wanted to let's well first of all let's start with you okay let's start with background and training yep yep and Obviously, you're one of the best strength coaches I've ever met. I'm Thank dude. You. I'm not. No, that's awesome. I'm not blowing smoke at you. I think you're like the way you approach the game, the way you kind of like you're you're not doing stuff like just because people did it the same way before, right? And so you've done it at a lot of different levels. So why don't you just kind of background and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. So I got into strength. Well, I went to school at Western Michigan. We're both from the same. That's area. right. So go
0: go go, Michigan. Broncos. Go Broncos. i would never moved go back Michigan. there though.
1: Yeah. No. Are you kidding? I told somebody, I can't imagine the amount of money it'd take for me to go back to to living a life in that snow.
0: That Well, not just that. The, the state is gone. Like, the politics oh, of it's the horrible, state, it was, right? it's gone to hell. It's,
1: it's horrible. But I couldn't imagine. <laughs> can you imagine waking up every morning and have to use a
0: broom to brush off your car outside and live that life again? Dude, but check this out. So, my parents still live there, and they don't have snow anymore. Like, remember how when we grew up, it would snow in November, and then it wouldn't melt until, like, April? Sure. It didn't snow last year. Like they didn't have snow that stuck on the ground last year until January. I remember
1: Halloween in a snowmobile suit.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I remember like, yeah, Thanksgiving. It would be like the turkey bowl. Yeah, was always yeah in the snow. Well, now it'll snow, melt, snow melt, and they don't have it. Like it doesn't stick for like half the winter. It's completely different. I don't, I don't trust it because the year I moved back there was the year with with a
1: multiple blizzards. Yeah, well, but, uh, I would not move back there anyway? Well, so. Went from Western Michigan all the way to IMG
0: Academies in Florida after I graduated. And did you? I didn't know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Was at IMG Academies for eight months. Uh, now did you?
0: Did you play ball or what did you do? No, at Western? I
1: didn't.
0: I, I, I didn't do anything. I was a student. Were you an athlete in high school? Yeah, oh yeah, I was an
1: athlete in high school. That's how I kind of got into working out. Okay. Was um, when it's gone, you're like, what am I going to do? Like not playing <laughs> basketball and sports and all that kind of stuff anymore. And I started lifting, working out, and that kind of replaced that energy for me of, of competition. Right. And, um, man, I went to school for journalism and then went to a class and I think second semester of freshman year, they're like, well, if you are going to go for journalism, we're going to take a literature class. They handed me eight books and I dropped journalism. You were going to be a journalist. Yeah. What kind of, I want to be a music journalist, (laughs) bro. Yeah. Oh, like MTV. uh, Like like, you want to be Kurt Loader? I want to to be (laughs) Kurt Loader. Yeah. I want to do hard bangers ball, head bangers ball. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then second semester I had a literature class. They handed me eight books. I had to read that semester. I said, this probably ain't for me (laughs) and, uh, got into working out, did exercise science, all that kind of stuff, did the internships, ended up at IMG. And then,
0: uh, and you were doing what? You took a strength job at IMG or uh, you are a GA or a big internship internship. internship. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Um, I was actually going to go to California and work, um, and go to school and get a master's in biomechanics and then a buddy of mine that i met at img was like hey if you go do biomechanics you're going to be in a research lab your whole life studying olympic weightlifting and force plate production and all that kind of stuff you're not going to work with kids yeah you're going to be a lab rat and i was like well that sounds like a fast way to a, a early grave is, is being <laughs> a lab rat right being crunching numbers yeah
0: i don't i don't see you like no, uh doing. chilling in the lab bro no
1: doing force plate and vectors and uh, <laughs> that's just wasn't me right and then um I was gonna do that, and I I moved here. Um,
0: so how did you get down so to South Carolina? Like how so do you I go from, from Florida, Florida to here?
1: Um, the the tale is old as time. Is you meet a girl? <laughs>
0: I was about to say right? you met a woman,
1: heavyweight champion of the world, uh-huh. right? And came here and was gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna live here for six months and then go do my intern, go get my masters and do all that kind of stuff. And I ended up staying because I think I started working with kids, started working with athletes, started working with building a brand and start training kids said i like this Mm -hmm. and i started training athletes and the more athletes and that's back when you hustle man that's when back when nobody was talking about sports performance training right right um it was the summer right before 9 11 that's the only thing i really remember is moving here and then
0: 9 11 happened like so there was none of these like guys outside of school who are working with these kids who are doing performance stuff i mean at that point because i high schools didn't even have strength coaches back then, right? Uh, I mean, very
1: few even saw the importance of it. Was a, right? It was like
0: it was usually one of the assistant football yeah. coaches who like trained their guys and knew about was like a guy who played football, minutia about it. it
1: was a guy that played D three football and was an amateur bodybuilder at best, and put kids in the weight room and yeah, grinded them out, right? So, crushed them, crushed them. Just it was all about mental toughness. <laughs> yeah, right. It was all about par fractures and mental toughness. <laughs> How much, right.
0: how much can I bury yeah, these dudes yeah. before they quit? Yeah. Right?
1: right. Like how many kids can I send home crying? Right. And, um, you know, how many, how many orthopedic visits can we get in the summer? <laughs> right. And, um, soft tissue injuries just, off the yang it yang. is horrible. Right. Yeah. And I came here from IMG and I left IMG like, Hey, I love this model. I want to do this model. Okay. Smaller scale. And the goal for me was to connect with uh, and connect it through a hospital type situation. And that actually became popular after I, I kind of thought of that. It was like a lot of people are connecting to a hospital. They're building physical, uh, connects to physical therapists. I want to have training, physical therapy, and all that together. And um,
0: so were you doing this like on your own? Were you doing it out of a hospital? I was doing it inside therapy a place were you doing?
1: Rob DeBoer's Athlete Factory. DeBoer's Athlete oh, Factory. Oh, you were with yep. DeBoer. Okay. Yep, 2001, 2005, he sold it. And I started Athletes Arena, 2005, in a small building connected to Sornex.
0: Oh, that's right. That's you started, started Athletes Arena.
1: Guy. Yep. Started Athletes Arena.
0: So you're buddies with Burt? Yeah,
1: real buddy. Uh, Burt's one of the best humans ever, bro. <laughs> I was texting him last week about the work and some of the stuff that he and I worked on
0: years ago and implemented it this year with great
1: results. Did you I see know.
0: that? Did you see that post? That where Did you see where he was the other night? Yeah, he was at UFC fight? Yeah, yeah, with like Josh from uh, Montana Knife Company. Yep. Are, do, do you know any of those hunting guys? I don't know any
1: of those hunting guys.
0: So, like I those guys, I actually just interviewed Josh a couple of weeks ago. He I'm gonna his podcast is going up this week, but he was with Remy Warren, who's like this stud freaking hunter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were all at that UFC fight. So I met Bert when
1: I first moved here. I was really into Olympic lifting in 2001. and his gym, uh, and his dad, who's just an amazing guy, man.
0: Yeah, I've heard so many but just an amazing, about him.
1: amazing guy. I always tell people he's always treated me like a son which can be good because he loves you, but can be bad because he treats you like, you know, like he's <laughs> yeah. just hard on you, right? No, yeah. And that's good. That's love, right? So it's yeah. love. And um, I was looking for a place to do Olympic lifting. And I was Olympic lifting and Richard Soren walked out. And I knew who Richard was because of Soren exercise equipment. At the time, they built University of Miami's weight room. And was that I, one of their first big weight rooms that they built big weight rooms? I don't know. I think Kentucky was, but I think now they
0: like pretty much freaking own. Now it's like just, they're in every college weight I mean, room. They're, all and over they're the place, doing all the, pro- right? like they are yeah. the, they are the training it's, equipment. And
1: because they actually, the guys actually train, right? Yeah, that's, that's the great right. Part about it's because they know right? what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're they, lifted, equipment. they know what they're looking for. Their research and development is the fact that they all lifted and grew up lifting. Right. So in 2001, it was just Bert and his dad in an office in the back of some gym.
0: Did Bert have the beard yet? No, Bert was clean shaven, he was clean, clean cut. cut. I right. saw his wedding picture; yeah. he had no beard. I'm like, who yeah, is this guy? That was guy? clean
1: cut beard, Bert, and the dad. And the dad just sat there one time, and I was—I didn't even know—I knew who he was, but I was doing Olympic lifts, and he pulled up a chair and just started watching me. And I'm like, oh man, this is intimidating. Like, it's kind of <laughs> no pressure, no pressure, just kind of scaring the <laughs> hell out of me all the time. And so then, um, when I wanted to leave uh, Athlete Factory, Rob sold it. I kind of wanted to do my own thing. They were moving out of that gym they were in, they wanted to build their own gym. And I i pitched to Bert, What if we do a showroom and a training place? Mm-hmm. And we put turf in the back, training weight room up front. So when people walk in there, they're seeing actual athletes training on a functional showroom that so they could sell equipment. At that time was Bert and his dad, now it's yeah, huge, it wasn't right? the machine that no, it is now. No, now it's just Bert and his dad just grind it out. That's why I respect that, dude. That's what I respect the most. Is 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 man, they made it took a lot of risks. They're they're resilient, they believe in their product. The old man is just an awesome guy. Not quit. I mean, man, you got to kill that guy to get him to quit. Literally. Yeah. Right.
0: I haven't it's, met him, but I've heard amazing things about him. And the interesting thing is if you look at those four dudes that were, you know, the picture that Bert posted last night uh remy warren who's built like this huge hunting brand Bert, who's built soren yep. um josh smith who's built montana knife company which is like just blowing up right now and then evan hafer who built black rifle yeah all, like just like you said all guys who took huge risks yep. and have built like these amazing brands yeah um they because they free- and and they're willing to to like put it to the floor and mm-hmm. grind and you know, bet on themselves. Most, yeah. And bet on Correct. themselves, yeah, which most people themselves. aren't willing to do anymore.
1: And we, it was us three in a room. They were selling equipment. I was training athletes inside of it.
0: So y'all and did that. You ended yeah. up doing that. Yeah. Concept. We ended up doing
1: that deal. Um, And then uh, I think it was cool because I've seen them grow. They've seen me grow. The dad helped me tremendous in, in, in coaching athletes and he, just the guys loved them it was a great environment. They kind of grew out of that. We kind of grew out of that. Um, 2010, uh, we moved inside a big, big space with big turf. I ended up selling it in 2015, uh, to the people that run it now that are phenomenal people. And, um,
0: that Jason and
1: Jason, Shane Miller, yeah. Jason Brunson, um, And really, man, it just happened on a whim. I just wanted to go in a different direction with my career. Um, Moved, moved away, got out of the industry for about 18 months, which was awesome. Helped me reinvent where I wanted to go. Is that when you went
0: to Georgia? That's when I went to Georgia. Okay. Okay. Because so before that, you were also working with a high school. Yeah,
1: I worked with, I worked at the high school we met at. Yeah, you were at Ben Lippin. I was at Ben Lippin because I love Reggie Shaw. Yeah. And I love Tyler Renew and Alec DeBoer, kids like that. They were playing football. And I wanted to get involved in it. And I loved it. I loved Reg. He's just great coach. Great dude.
0: Um, He's the head coach at Burns High School. Burns High School now.
1: And just great guy. Right. And I believed in him.
0: Yeah. Amazing dude.
1: And um, then I went to Georgia. Got out of the industry. Got sucked back into the industry a little bit in the college environment.
0: What did you do in Georgia?
1: Uh, I worked for an insurance company buddy mine an insurance company for is that why you
0: moved there or did you move there for something for you well life? i just
1: wanted to get away i wanted to move i want to sell okay. the business and kind of separate myself from reset it a little bit yeah reset a little bit find out where i wanted to go take this job and um dude was a, a friend of mine i don't know if you know micah kurtz i'll give micah kurtz a shout out he was an ac Florida strength coach and now he's at windmere prep in florida um it was like eight months he texts me and he i don't even know if micah knows the story he goes um you ever gonna get back into it? Like, no, nah, I don't know. He's like, you know what? That sucks because the kids need you, and it's kind of a disservice for you to have the skill set you have and not work with kids. Mm-hmm. And bro, that sat on me for like months. Like one of those things you wake up in the morning and you're like, like, I'm am I outside of what I should be doing and my passion? And
0: isn't it weird how like you can kind of get off the rails a little bit and then something just grabs you yeah, and comment. starts to pull at you? Yeah, and it's like. It won't let go yeah you know until you end up back where you're supposed yeah, to be right right
1: and it's that one comment he's like all right man talk to you later and i'm like, what, what? <laughs> like just dropped a bomb right on my chest and um got back into the college environment with small school named uh albany state it's an hbcu startup kind of program um because a kid i trained in college and i knew him where was uh, that in albany
0: like you went to new york
1: no albany georgia oh, or albany small georgia small town okay. bro gotcha small town hbcu school mm-hmm. uh merged with another school trying to grow their football program a couple of coaches from charleston southern went down there and um i got a call from a kid guy that people might know Corey peoples
0: i know Corey people playing football in
1: south carolina's from bishopville he's i believe right now he's at um georgia state db's coach at georgia state
0: i think he was the when was he there? Was he there when I was there? Might have been there when you were there, or like mid nineties? Was that nineties, or mid, was he late nineties? Late nineties, maybe he came in after yeah. I went up to yeah, early two thousand Murray,
1: and he's like, "Hey, we need a street coach. I heard you're in Albany. I need a guy. I'm coming on the coaching staff. We got nobody."
0: And where was he at the time?
1: He, was, he went. To, he was a coach at Albany State. Okay, he Took a job with some gotcha. guys at Charleston Southern that came down, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do it. Why not? We'll do it." college, never been college outside of my internship and
0: some stuff in college. It was outside. that it was super hard to give up selling insurance. No,
1: at that time I knew it. Michael Kurtz. <laughs> you're like, oh, this ain't Michael my Kurtz deal. Right? screwed my life up, right? <laughs> made a ton of money, right? But like, man, if you ever made a ton of money and then still miserable at the same time? you are like, man, that's when you're outside of your own outside of where you should be, right? And 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 um, it was good for me to get away and reinvent. I started doing a lot of online stuff, online consulting, online training, online programming. um. And then at Albany State, um, another good dude hit me up. Uh, that I know. We all know Gene Smith, right? A man Gene. Gene Smith D line coach at Hammond. And uh the other text came from Liz Brewer. Okay. Ryan Brewer. If yeah. everybody knows Ryan Brewer's wife, she's played on that running staff.
0: Back, Ryan Brewer played yep. running back at South Carolina. Absolute and guy. I tell you, say people die with
1: a different kind of DNA in that yep. human being, right? Yeah, he's built different. Just just made just you know, when he's when he gets excited and he's motivated, I mean, he's just a different kind of guy.
0: Liz was the same way. Liz was the same like way. She was a killer athlete. Yes. Killer, killer
1: athlete. Super competitive. Yeah. They hit me up and they like, hey, you ever thought about moving back and working at Hammond? I'm like, man, the last thing I'd ever thought about in my life was moving back and being... What year was Hammett? this? Two, uh, 90, 2018.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, anybody that listens to this in-state, you don't have to really describe it, but there are people that listen to this outside of South Carolina. So Hammond School is uh, Eric Kimry was the head coach. He's up at Baylor School now in in Chattanooga. But how many state championships have they won at this point? 17,
1: 18, something
0: like that. Like yeah. insane. Like Six they in just dominate. Like skis of three A or that's four yeah. A now, now, right? Now, but yeah. they're just dominant. Yeah. So
1: and have completed, competed with some really good pl- programs. Yeah, had a, a reality check with some really good programs. Right
0: hello prince avenue
1: yeah 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 saw that guy i saw that quarterback throw the ball i was like hey we're gonna be in trouble um but um
0: i saw i saw that that line come out and warm up and i went oh shit yeah who scheduled this i literally i literally walked over to jay right who's jay fry and i was like because jay's usually pretty even keel about everything right and i usually am too and i was looking at those dudes and I'd seen him on social media ahead of time. And I was like, Last time's guys look bigger, but they were pushing some pretty serious weight in the weight room. And I go over to Jay, I go, Jay, I said, is it just me or are those guys enormous and fast? Because they were doing get-offs and working D-line was working technique, and they were quick. I mean, they weren't like these big sloppy guys, they were freaking fast. He's like, No those guys look pretty good yeah <laughs> he goes we may have a long day yeah and we did yeah and that quarterback came out and i was like i was like
1: i've never seen a quarterback warm up ah. like that in a long time And they wore our ass out up yeah. front too and um but the program's a great so anyway, program. Yeah, right? yeah great program and um i said one thing i've always wanted to be is being when you train in the private industry man you see guys for six months and then they're gone yeah, because then they're going into they're season. Going, right. Mm-hmm. You see guys for three months and we're gone. And I got really heavy into baseball and really heavy into pro baseball. And we had a ton of pro baseball guys built almost a brand and a business off of baseball and professional baseball. But you never really and That's of, You were in Georgia when you were no, still I was, doing in this? in South Carolina. So you're back. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was back. Gotcha. This was before I went to Georgia. Okay. So I always, under, I always had these. And, and when you work in the private industry, man, you're working with very talented people. And right. it's all about programming. Yeah. There's not a lot of motivation in coaching because they're already motivated.
0: Yeah. They're, they're dudes. Yeah. You don't need to drive them. They're right. driven. That's why they're, they're with you. Highly driven.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, you got to be a good coach, but you got to be a good programmer. You got to be good at performance training. And I always wanted to be part of a team and build a legacy and be a part of seeing kids come through the process all the way through. I've never been a part of that. Yeah. Right. And when I took Hammond, that was my goal. I want to be a part of something long term and see people and programs develop and add something? You know, it's challenging when you work at a program like that because, like, what are you going to add to a program that's already run twelve cha- state championships?
0: Well, when they brought you in, they didn't have a full time strength coach, right? They had
1: one for a year, and he left, and they had just kind of started rebuilding the program.
0: So, what did they say to you in turn when they hired you? What did they say? Here's what we want you to do with Hammond. What what was your what did they task you with?
1: We want strength and conditioning to be a big part of the whole program and kill the rhetoric that we're only about football. Mm -hmm. We want it to be from top down a performance program for every sport, every age, every level and accountability and responsibility across the board, regardless of the sport.
0: And that honestly, that's one of the things that I was the most impressed about with, with what they did with, you know, with what you decided to do with them and what they asked you to do. Cause like as a dad of two girls, I watched, you know, women's sports really kind of take a back seat in the strength and conditioning world in high school. Like those kids, they, they were basically left to their coaches who, you know, I got one daughter who's a competitive cheerleader, um, and did some track stuff, but mostly competitive cheerleading. And then I had another one who was in softball, but the reality of it is most of their coaches have no background in strength training. And so they didn't strength train at all. Now they're finally starting to figure that out mm-hmm. at some other schools, but like Hammond was way ahead of the curve on that with high school. And I love that that was the mission that they, you know, put forward to you. That's awesome. Yeah. The same,
1: the same standards for the, for the football team, which is, you know, for most high schools, the front porch is the football program,
0: right? That's how you right. get them in or how you get people excited.
1: And and, and it's the front porch, right? But he wanted the, Jeff Barnes, who's a great visionary I mean, been at hand for twenty years. Amazing AD, Uh, amazing athletic director. Um, Tons of courage. Um, Said he wants that from the program down. He built that from the program down, and it works because he, he, and he, he's strong on his mission, and he doesn't slack on it. So, if it's in the fifth, sixth year, and he texted me a couple days ago, he's like, "Man, that can be a very thankless job, the athletic director."
0: Yeah, for sure, because they're basically everyone's going and complaining to them about what yeah. they don't like yeah. when things are going good. It's like that's what everyone expects, mm-hmm. especially at Hammond. Mm-hmm. But the only time you really hear from somebody is when they don't think you're doing what you're supposed to doing or this team's not doing what they're supposed to be. Oh, I'm not happy because this coach said this to my kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My kid's not playing. My kid's not. Right. Starting, my, uh, you, you hear that. And man, just his email gets worn out. And he texted me a couple days ago and said, man, when we really sit back in the last five, six years we've done some really cool things. I'm like, yeah, man. I said, you got to focus on that. Cause man, the athletic director just takes, I mean, a lot of more and more people are getting out of that job. A lot more people are getting out of coaching jobs. A lot of people are leaving. Um, good coaches are leaving. Um, I mean, there's reasons to that, but some of the reasons and nobody wants to talk about it is unrealistic expectations from parents,
0: you know? So, uh,
1: but no, he's, he's held it out and I've been there since, so what does um, that look like? Which which part? What is what the
0: unrealistic expectation? Uh, unrealistic expectation. Like, do you think that's a kind of systemic thing in high school sports in general? It's a its a Just cultural, successful programs. Thing. I think you it's see coming this, up from the.
1: I think it's coming up from the bottom up. I think you see it in travel baseball, for instance. Travel baseball is little Billy's not playing on the travel baseball team, so Daddy's going to start his own team, right? Um, you're seeing it now transfer portals trickling down right yeah i now see kids in high school post on twitter that they're making an announcement about their transfer decision (laughs) i'm like bro you're 15 years old
0: you know what i hate about those announcements they always end with with that being said yeah i am here to announce taking
1: my talents to
0: taking my talents to such and such junior high
1: (laughs) yeah i'm like (laughs) What are we doing? Bro, man? are you freaking what, are what a poser? What are we doing, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, if you don't like something you change teams. If you don't like something right. you make your own team.
0: And that's coming like you said, that that's parents are driving that. You know, kids are learning that. They see it on social media, but their parents aren't telling them, "Hey, suck it up and ride the bench for a you year. You're going to learn something from it." Yeah. Right like it used to. Now yeah. now the parents are helping them figure out where to go.
1: Yeah. And they're and they're and managing expect one of the things i started doing in the private industry is um you know a parent would come to us and be like hey we want my kid my kid wants to play college sports he's looking for something extra for training yeah okay where does he want to go and they list off i mean you always hear them list off like in south carolina clemson georgia tennessee (laughs) you're like okay so, what I started to do is, I told these kids, he's hey, 5'9, 130, he's, soaking wet. And wants, yeah, and he wants to be yeah. a DB mm-hmm. at Georgia. I said, okay. And he runs a 4'8. Take your height and weight and your test times from your last test scores. Go look at all those schools and look at the height and weight and test scores of all the guys they've offered in the last five years.
0: And where do they find that information? I mean, like, you can Like, go, if you're like, hey, if you said that to, to a dad, if, if I'm a dad and I, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, go look at those kids' test scores, like, where do I go find you Go to that?
1: Rivals. I guess Rivals is a place you can still go. Okay. Um, Go to the camps. Go to shoot. Kids got their numbers up on Twitter all the time. I
0: mean, because honestly, this is like this is kind of leading into the next question I was going to ask you, which is, um, like some direction, right? As a as a parent, Mm -hmm. uh, because like exactly like you said, there's so many parents out there who think their kid is the next whatever, right? And I I've seen it too because I coach for forever and you know, parents coming up to me going blah, blah, blah. And sometimes they're right, but most of the time they're not Mm -hmm. in terms of where they think that kid can play, Mm -hmm. but talk a little bit about preparing a kid and giving them the very best opportunity to play at the next level if they could. So what do you do there? And then the second part is where you're going, understanding, how do I actually evaluate my kid to determine where they should be not where i want them to be well i
1: think first off it needs to be coming mostly from the kid right right where nowadays it does it comes from the parents right like i want my son to do abc well does your son want that right does your kid really want to do that or do you want to do that yeah um you know division most division one prospects you know who they are when they walk on the field the first time at a young age. Yeah. Right.
0: You can't coach size. You can't, you can't coach speed.
1: You know, you you ever hear people say, and I do believe this to a certain point. um, Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Yeah. Until you see ridiculous talent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Until you see the amount of talent, you're just like, that kid could never lift weights a day. Could never go to practice. And he's going to rush for 300 yards. Right. And score five touchdowns because he is who he is
0: well i i mean you remember john abraham sure right for i think 14 years in the nfl so i was at carolina when we signed him and he didn't play football until his senior year he went to lamar high school which is the size of this room (laughs) right (laughs) it's it's tiny and i remember going to watch him with brad scott and he was six four if he was 200 pounds he was soaking wet, maybe two fifteen, right? But he could run a a four five. I think he w- he came in second in the state in the high hurdles in the hundred meter what? hurdles. He was so fast. I remember watching him. He was playing outside backer, and they ran a sweep to the other side of the field. He took like four steps and he was there. Like he he had this huge stride and he could fly, right? First time he'd ever played football, had no clue what he was doing. Like literally, he was just running around like a dog trying to find a bone. But that dude, you looked at him for one second, was like, "That kid is a freaking all-American." Isn't that awesome when you see a kid yeah. like that, right? And then we signed him, and you know, I mean, like right, cool. next the end of his freshman year, he weighs two fifty. You know, he ends up being all SEC for two or three years and he's 14 years in the NFL. But, like you said, first, the minute you saw him, you knew he was a guy.
1: You you see the kids. He was a dog. You knew. You see him, you're like, that's the guy. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot, right? It doesn't take a lot. I I think.
0: And as a parent, you don't have to be an all star to go, my kid doesn't look like that.
1: No. And I've heard parents say, well, my kid's not that kid, so he needs to do a little extra. Well, I get that, but you can't really out-extra your genetics. Can you work hard yeah. and earn it? Yeah. I heard a coach one time like, say- You
0: should have done a little extra when you decided to marry somebody who was 5'2". Yes, we talked about was Bert no, Soren right? and
1: Leslie Soren. When you look at them, you're like, "Let's." they're going to have children that are going to be unbelievable, right? Yeah. But um, managing expectations in a parent is really hard because they love their son, they love their daughter, and I get it right um you have to you have to do things to let them figure it out for themselves i had a coach say he sometimes judges the developmental stage of his program based on the number of non-division one kids he has that goes plays football so because those guys can really do a lot more work do a lot more extra and go play you know lower than power five football because yeah. they love it. And you got to love it, right? If you're going to go to the next level at that level, you're not going to be on TV. You have to love playing sports. You have to love it.
0: You know, what's interesting to, and I don't know if you experienced this, but what I experienced was that the majority of the time, the parents who had these unrealistic expectations did not play in college. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really understand what it takes to get there. Now there's outliers to that, but the ones who did play in college, their expectations are much more realistic about what that kid can actually do. And they usually do a better job of transferring to that kid. Here's what it takes. Here's the work ethic it requires. At the end of the day, you're the one that has to commit to this. I can't do that for you. Right. Do you see that too?
1: I see a hundred percent, a hundred percent because they know what it takes. They know it's brutal on your body. It's brutal on your time. If you're going to college because you're excited about Friday night party times, <laughs> don't go play sports. Because it's just, they own you, right? They own you.
0: Dude, it's a job. Yeah.
1: They own you. Yeah, you better do. love it. You better live every day getting up in the morning and loving the preparation of it. Um, And, uh, you know, one out of every four kids quit high college sports their freshman year. One out of four. 25% of kids yeah. that go on to play college sports quit by their fr- by the end of their freshman year. Because, because of the amount of commitment it it's takes, really hard. Yeah, it's really, really right, really hard.
0: Because in high school, sometimes I mean, you can coast, but you can't coast. Like it's getting harder and harder to coast in high school because mm-hmm. of what's required of you with the summer, you know, work. Like mm-hmm. used to be, we, we you know, we we worked out in the summer and we showed up for camp, and now they're seven on seven. And you got to do all these different things. But still, if you're an amazing athlete, you can kind of out athlete other people. Sure, but you can't do that in college no <laughs> everybody was the dude everybody was the dude you're with the best guy at your school and now you're the worst guy in and the next year
1: they're trying to recruit somebody better than you
0: and you better be okay with that and understand it
1: and it's not take it personal yeah right and you'll sit the bench i mean think about this right now uh alabama mm-hmm. had tua replace um
0: Jalen Hurts, Hurts. who had won a national championship for them the year before. And now
1: Jalen Hurts might be one of the best leaders in in the NFL quarterback position. And they sent him off to the transfer out
0: because Tua could throw the deep ball better. Right. Right? Which is a great story, you know, for you. Like, if you ever want to show an example to your kids about resilience and like, did Jalen Hurts pout? No. When they did that to him, he didn't pout. He was a leader. He played his role. He ended up coming in and helping him win the national championship because Tua got hurt, remember? Yep. And he yep. put together some huge drive, went and transferred over to Oklahoma. And like you said, and now he's like probably or one of not the, the best quarterbacks, best leaders in the NFL. But he could have been hung his head, ooh, ooh. been a big baby about Poor it, me. right? Poor me. And yeah. probably nothing would have, he never would have become of a...
1: him. Yeah. Also, um, Probably has a lot to do with how he was raised
0: for sure. Right. Yeah. has
1: a lot to do with how two parent raised. home. Yep.
0: Yes. Strong father. Yep. Told him suck it so up. So important.
1: Told him suck it up. Right. Told him to suck it up. Um, deal with adversity. Yeah. Give 100% of your effort. Don't quit. Hard work through crappy times and look where he is now.
0: Right. Right. To me, that's one of the biggest things that I see like lots of times when you have a kid who's got a ton of ability and you're having a really hard time getting out of it, getting it out of him. There's a lot of times where there's no dad in that house. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Statistic,
1: they're pretty some scary statistics. They've right? been
0: babied their whole life by mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's no one there saying, suck it up. Mm-hmm. You got to push through that. Mm-hmm. And that's the job of the coach.
1: And a lot of communities. Yeah. And a lot of communities. There's the high school football coach for some of these kids is their strong male father figure.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yep. There's no question.
1: Yeah. And that's an important role that I think is realistic that you can, you can say that now. And I think there's a lot of coaches and a lot of kids who came through those parents and said, yeah, that was, that was a dad for me Mm -hmm. grown up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still think one of the best examples we've ever had and it got you choked up and I tell people about it all the time was when we had a quarterback controversy when you were coaching the Hammond. And we had a kid who got hurt, who came back, who was ready to play quarterback, but we were successful with the other kid. And he came in and chose a different role, and had an amazing impact and took one for the team and still had an impact for the team. And he even said, as a businessman, as a man in business, there's very few kids like that anymore. Right. Yeah, that's that's impre- I mean, that mm-hmm. says a lot about the character of a kid. And I think we do have a lot of kids who have the me that don't have that team attitude and that that have a me first attitude. Um, and it's all about me getting my my shine and my press and my ball and you know my passes and my and my touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. They want to go out, perform, and go play next level or whatever, but some things they don't see is that man, coaches at the next level pay attention if you're a team guy.
0: Oh yeah, there's no question. Right? They yep. don't
1: want that cancer coming into their their school. I don't care how good you are.
0: No. And that kid that you talked about, you know, um, I'll say his name because I think he's a great kid, Jack Weston. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was our starting quarterback for six weeks, um, was doing a really good job, broke his arm. Um, finger. Broke his finger. Broke his finger, that's yep. right, his throwing hand. Yep. Um, and then we brought another kid over who was a little more physical in the run game, gave us a different element. Um, and when Jack came back, you know, he's he went to receiver, which he had played before. And, you know, in the state championship game, we were like touch and go with his team, neck neck and neck. And he took a little bubble screen and popped it 80 yards. And that blew the entire game open. We Mm -hmm. ended up winning by 30 points. But, you know, the parents weren't super happy about the situation. But Jack was, I don't know. I just know how he was on the field. Mm -hmm. Always respectful. Never whined. Never pouted you know, he was, there was a period of time where he was trying to figure out what's my role. Right. And we were trying to figure out, do we put him back in at quarterback? You know, we know we were actually struggling a little bit at the slot position. So we were like, we could be better with him out there. Um, and he just handled it like a freaking pro man, like just a great, great kid. And like you said, he's, he's the kind of kid that, you know, if I was a CEO of a company that I'd be, I'd be like grooming him Mm-hmm. To do, and he's probably the kind of kid that's going to end up running his own company. Honestly, isn't that point. amazing
1: though? The life lessons you learn through athletics that you just can't you can't learn anywhere else. You know,
0: I give like I think ninety percent of my fortitude and work effort comes from what I learned through athletics, mm-hmm. through having somebody push me through stuff that I didn't think I could push through. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: so that's kind of the what it takes from an evaluation standpoint, like you were kind of getting to this point, realistically as a parent, you know, when a parent comes to you and says, I want my kid to do X, mm-hmm. how are you going to, how do you advise them?
1: I think, like I mentioned earlier, you got to put them in a position that they figure it out themselves, what ability that kid can play at from an athletic standpoint. I don't judge football. I don't judge football. I don't judge how good of a baseball player. That's not, I'm not, I'm not a coach. Sure. But I know that when you go to, the NFL or college football play college baseball. They're very big, strong, fast, athletic kids. You take a kid that's going to be a college baseball player. He was probably very, very, very good at other sports. Yes. Right. Any kind of level athleticism there, there, and you let the parents start to figure that out themselves. And um, I think some of that is instilled within the culture of the team that everybody has a role. Some kids don't want to take that role. And that's, That's where you gotta sometimes be a coach and trim the fat, right? (laughs) Right. So um that's such a tough question because parents can become so blinded by
0: their love. Especially now with social media. The love they have for their kid. Yeah. And it's not just the love that it's the it's that, and then it's also the other kids the other parents kids who are all over instagram and mm-hmm. i'm going here and i'm going here and i'm going here and them want again it comes back to like you said the love for their kid like i want my kid to have that that experience
1: i think the school that we coached at for a few years uh went through about a 3 year reign where um we had five stars four stars three stars and a first round draft pick in baseball and a kid a couple of kids go play college baseball at a high level and when you were around that a lot You start to think that that's the norm.
0: Yeah. And even, and the parents start to think, well, that that my kid's next, my kid's next. And that was a
1: really amazing time to be at the program Mm -hmm. at Hammond. Yeah. Because you have, you could go to a football game and look at the sidelines and it's Kirby smart. (laughs) Yeah. And then the next year you go to a baseball game and there's 30 professional baseball scouts. Yeah. And you think, well, that's just, just how it is being here. And everybody has, that must not be that hard, but then you look around at other schools and they don't have that. And, um, it's hard to manage that expectation that not everybody's going on to play at the next level.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Right. So let me ask you this. Um, this was kind of my next question. I'm going to transition out of, getting kids ready and, and high school training. But so one of the things that I've I talked to you a lot about, and you were actually the guy that put me on to my physical therapist Sean mm-hmm. Jacobs, who I had on a few episodes yep. ago. Who's Phenomenal
1: like, physical therapist.
0: Dude, changed my life. Not even close. Changed my life. <laughs> yes. And humble. Yeah. Unbelievably humble. <laughs> Seriously. Talk a little bit about people that like adults. Okay. Um transitioning you know when you leave athletics high school college whatever you're usually pretty healthy in your 20s unless you just let yourself go to total shit Mm -hmm. um but gradually 30s 40s 50s the natural thing is decline right and then when you don't stay strong or you don't stay active or whatever then you start to your body just starts to kind of gradually decay and deteriorate and when you're, good work yeah right. when you're 48 50 you just think oh i feel a little bit old but what's really happening is your body's breaking down mm-hmm. how you know the i interview a lot of guys who hunt a lot of guys you know who hunt out west which is like super physical eight to ten miles a day rocking heavy pack up and down mountains um, and it, there's more and more conversation in that community a lot now about fitness mm-hmm you know like the the days of like the 300 pound guy sitting up in the tree stand are quickly going away but let's just talk about in general what should people be doing differently than what they are because obviously we've got a an obesity problem in yeah. this country Yeah, 70% I mean, of people yeah are so overweight, yeah. what should people be doing differently cuz you post a lot of common sense stuff like yeah. you're not like you know gimmicky about yeah. the way you train people yeah. cuz you train a lot of adults
1: so we do a lot of consulting on weight loss and fitness for adults.
0: And what's and, the name of that? That because uh, I know mean Phenom, you've got phenom Nutrition. Okay. Phenom, phenom N- nutri phenom yeah. Nutrition. And you're on Facebook with mm-hmm. that and Instagram. Facebook,
1: Instagram, Phenom Nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Um find something you're passionate about that makes you active. Some people it's exercise, some people it's lifting weights. For me, it became Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? Um, just got super into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Did
0: you roll with Jocko? Yeah.
1: No, he'd probably smash me, right? Jack <laughs> probably smash me. But um, I bet you're pretty good at it. I'm decent at jujitsu. Um, 13 years of it. I mean... Are you a black belt? Uh, Four-stripe right brown belt. Okay. Six months from black belt. You're getting belt. there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I found Brazilian jiu-jitsu that changed my life. Com- I mean, completely changed my life, right? Um, you hear that a lot from a lot of people who do jujitsu. That's just doing that, lifting weights. Um, if I'm going to tell people, find something you're passionate about that you enjoy doing that's active for you as honey for me as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So for some people, it's something else, lift weights, learn to sleep. Don't poison your body with alcohol. I know that's a tough one for people and a sensitive one, alcohol or other crappy things you can put in your body. So find something you're passionate about, lift weights, sleep. And the other thing that is, been huge two things that have been huge for me outside of that find a community of people that like to do the same thing and get away from people that spread shitty negativity i would say those five things that everybody can do right because you can pick up your phone you can look on social media you can read websites you can watch the news and you can just be filled with garbage in your brain that absolutely kills you just just murders your brain So if you're a general population person right now, and you're like, I want to get in shape, find something you're passionate about, learn to lift weights, feed your body, right? Sleep, right. Find a community of people that do it and get rid of anything that's negative. That just brings you down. Now I'm not saying avoid responsibility. Sure. Right. Cause you're going to have that. Some guy's going to read him like I quit my job because I heard this guy said, get rid of negativity. I didn't (laughs) like my job. Right. But, um, if people can do most of those things, they'll lose weight. They'll feel better. They'll live. I'm not necessarily live a longer life, but live a better life. Um, have some passion for what you do. Um, get rid of negative people and surround yourself with better people.
0: I think one of the things that you just said that is so important, and I'll, I can only speak from being a guy, but I think one of the, the things that we run into as men is we're in all through high school, college, however long you played sports, you're part of a tribe, yeah. right? You're, tar- you're part of a group of guys that are working hard to achieve something together. And it's like you form this community. And then all of a sudden you graduate from college. Uh, you're done doing that. So if you're not married, you know, you're probably making stupid decisions, going out drinking and doing stuff that's nonproductive. Like you got to get plugged into a community, but most of us, what a lot of times happens is you get married and then that person becomes your best friend, but you're not doing like you said this, like you love them and I don't want to diminish them at all. Like, I don't want to diminish that, but like you have to have some kind of a passion outside of your marriage. Mm -hmm. Something that, like you said, that excites you that Mm -hmm. you're fired up about. And a lot of people just lose that. They don't do it anymore. And they lose their tribe too. Cause the idea that, that as men, we're supposed to just be married and then that's the only person that we ever commune with, I don't think that's good for us, no. right? And so you have to find, like like you said, for me, like this, this last year has just been enormous in terms of my life, in terms of that's what I got excited about was hunting out west and going and doing big game stuff. And then I got tied into guys like Bert and like Joe Miles and these guys who are super knowledgeable but also have this adventurous spirit in them and so it's like i'm getting to pursue something different now that i'm not coaching that's got me really fired up and that is what motivated me to like find a good physical therapist figure out what's going on my back you know even though the surgery stuff lose a bunch of weight get in shape um and like you said surround yourself with good people man yeah like that's such a huge huge part of it but so many guys don't do that why don't they do that like why aren't we doing that
1: well a lot of people sit behind their phone there's not a lot of places to do that um the book atomic habits is one of the best book i've ever written It talked about it's one that told me what is that it's a book called atomic Habits. okay james clear wrote a book called atomic habits and it's an amazing book about creating good habits and what it takes to create healthy habits how long it takes to take a habit and um community matters the group of people you're around um, you will turn into the people you hang around with. You hang around crappy people. You turn into a crappy person. And we tell our kids
0: that all the time. I know. Right. right. So I tell my kids that all the freaking time. Right. But then yeah. I'm like, and I don't, I, I, I consciously make sure I don't hang out with crappy people, but you need to seek out good people. Yeah. Right. It's not just avoiding the bad ones. It's seeking out the good ones. Yeah,
1: That's the thing. Uh, I have gone through two stints in my life. I had a neck surgery. Um, and injuries that kept me away from brazilian jiu-jitsu and it wasn't brazilian jiu-jitsu that i realized i loved the most was the community of people you hang out with yeah and man there's nothing like creating a bond with a bunch of people that beat the crap out of you like you know what i'm saying like that goes back to when we were kids how many best friends did you have growing up that you fought when you were in elementary school and middle school
0: the the guy that beat you up or that you beat up ended up usually becoming your one of your best buddies best
1: friends and you go to war with them right how many times you best friends you fought each other right and I just think that goes back to just how men are. And we choke each other. We fight each other. You get mad at each other. You roll. But there's a group of guys that are there all the time. And it's a community of people that you get to love. And you meet people that you have never would ever be associated or get to know if it wasn't for that one common thing. Whether it's hunting or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. One of my favorite people of all time is a guy named Justin Young. About six years ago, him and I were rolling and his elbow dislocated Uh. and that was the nastiest, it was one of the nastiest injuries on a mat I've ever seen. We're training sparring. I overhooked his arm. I went left, his body went right, but his arm stayed the same place bro. And for weeks, I would have a nightmare waking up in the middle of the night of what I heard was a, a big spaghetti sticks uh-huh. cracking. You ever grab a bunch of big, thick spaghetti yeah. and cracking it? That's what, That's what it sounded what that like? sounded like in my ear. Oh, and his geez. arm flipped back the wrong way. His hand <laughs> flipped up. It was the one of the most disgusting things yeah, I've ever dude. seen. He's on the mat freaking out. I stand up off the mat. I'm walking off the mat. And they're like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get ice. As if ice was going to help this guy's <laughs> I'm arm. I'm going to ice his elbow. I was like, I don't know, dude. They're like, what's wrong with his arm? like, it's gone. Like, I just couldn't believe I saw it. I couldn't believe it happened. And he healed back and he came back and he's been the coolest guy in jujitsu. And I think the dude who went to school, I think at one point he was a librarian and went to school for like history and archaeology. Uh-huh. Completely kind of this complete different kind of human being I would ever know. But because of jujitsu and because of the injury and because of the training and getting to know him, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever met. And he would never have met that guy. Right. If it wasn't for community you built yeah. so it does it gets you outside meeting different people that you would never get associated with yeah and you learn value for those people that are that aren't like you right i never would have
0: met bert yeah right if it went for hunting. if right. it wasn't for hunting because i yeah. like i'm football he's over you know at soren I i don't and when i started getting into it i saw that he was a big bow hunter and i asked tyler i was like hey can you introduce me to him because that one thing i've learned over the course of my life is like when you don't know anything get around people to do sure you know just soak them up yeah. same thing with joe um and it but it's ended up being this different thing right like i reached out to them because i wanted to learn about bow hunting which i still do and i'm really passionate about it but what i'm really getting a ton out of is the friendship yeah you know and he's a good it's he's getting to he's know a like good really solid he's a guys good dude man yeah he's no amazing dude. guy he's a solid you dude. know and yeah and you don't run into those kind of people yeah. just like passively because your kid goes to school with somebody else's yeah. kid. Like you got to find those people. Yeah. Bert is definitely a guy that would help you bury the body. <laughs> right. That's a good like That's when do.
1: you know you got a boy, right? Like Joe's the same way. Yeah. Who's, you know, Joe miles. I know Joe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Chops. yeah. Chops. Chops. Yeah. It's his dad. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: He's the same dude. Yeah. Same guy.
1: Yeah. Same. Help you bury the body. Who will never say a <laughs> word about it ever to anybody for the rest of his life.
0: What is that? That it's a, there's a clip that goes around social media all the time. That's that's like that, right? You're talking about the movie. Yeah, it's from a oh, movie. Yeah. It's like we yeah. got to bury gotta a body. Go, no, he goes. Um, I got to tell you something. I don't want
1: you. We got to go somewhere. It? We got to hurt some guys. I can't tell you who it is, but I need help. And the guy looks at him and goes, "Whose car are we driving?" <laughs> I send that to John Wheeler all the time. Was it the town? Ta- was it town? The town. No, yeah, with Ben Affleck. The yeah, town. Yeah, that's a freaking great. And the guy movie. goes. The guy's just sitting there. And he goes, "Whose car? Whose car are we <laughs> driving?" Car we drive, right? <laughs> And again, again, man, like you surround yourself with those kind of guys, right? John Wheeler is that kind of guy. Um, Bert Sorner, are those kind of guys that, you know, I think, you know, you grow up with guys that'll fight with you. Right. And as men, we want to be surrounded by a group of guys that'll go to war with you and won't ask questions. Like that's part of the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I got your back 24 seven. Right. Um, you create that with sports though, right? Isn't that amazing? Right. Like I know groups of guys that play football together in college that go on to do different times and different lives, but they went through things and cu- they, they went through a struggle together. Mm-hmm. They build a camaraderie together. Yeah. That I promise you, if you're three hours away and you need that dude would be there for you. Right. God, we all need those kind of dudes, don't they? Don't you? And don't 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 you want to cheat your children to be that kind of guy? Like I have conversations with my son all the time. And my son takes jujitsu and he does it because he loves it. I don't, I will never coach him. I don't give him tips. I don't give him advice. I go there. He gets on the mat. Mm-hmm. He rolls around. He gets up. And I said, son, I love to watch you do jujitsu. Yeah. And we leave. I don't want to be that dad. Right. That I, I just won't, you know, being a coach, you learn more about the parent. You don't want to be, than you learn to be about the parent you do want to be. Yeah. Right. Cause you're around just, I'm not going to be that guy. Right. And I tell my kid all the time, I said, there's three reasons I teach you jiu-jitsu and you can learn jiu-jitsu. It's one to protect yourself. Two, it's to protect those you love. And three, it's to defend those who can't defend themselves. Yeah. Dude, like I get emotional <laughs> because I'm like, we need more men like that. Right.
0: Yeah. I was God, having, dog. I was having that conversation with my wife this morning and it, we didn't like totally connect on the conversation. All that was a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, like, my wife didn't get it either. Like I was You're trying like, to explain yeah. to her, yeah. like why men need other men, right? Yeah. And how sometimes, like a lot of times now, society like kind of pigeonholes people like us, yeah, to into this like I, toxic, yeah, masculinity. toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so we had this yeah. whole long conversation about it. But, I, dude, I agree with you, man. I was like. It was like not even a year ago that I had all this stuff going on with my back. Yeah. Like I I was literally asking myself will I ever like be able to like walk more than <sighs> half a mile again? And I didn't I wasn't tied into like I was coaching football, but those guys like all know each other and all hang out to get each other outside of mm-hmm. you know, like they're from they all played football together, I went to college together. So I didn't have a ton of social time with them. And I felt really alone yeah you know and i was like this freaking sucks yeah. like my marriage is great i love my family but i need some men in my life that have the same values the same ethos guys that i could pick up the phone and be like not feel weird about saying i'm really struggling with something yeah, she's right you know and so i started trying to figure out how to pull some people like that together and now you know, I've, I'm starting to get people like that in my life. Yeah, it's
1: awesome, bro. That is all. And and, and the lie a lot of men believe is that we got to be this, these tough external guys that don't share emotion. That that you can't be that way. And then it bottles you up. And, man, I remember you telling me when you are like, when you told me your story about coming back from your back, you're like, man, I was a low point. It was tough. It was hard. And I've lost all this weight. And when you were telling me the story, the excitement you had in your eyes, I was like fired up for you. I was like, dude, like. When you're like, I lost 35 pounds. I don't hurt that much anymore. I'm rucking, you know, I I didn't know what happened to you after I was like, Hey, go see Sean. Yeah. And then I text
0: you to go see Sean. Yeah. Cause the season was over. (laughs) Yeah. And so we weren't really, we didn't really see each other that much.
1: And then I heard your story and I'm like, dude, that's awesome. What an amazing story. And like, you gotta be happy for things like that, dude. And I was actually thinking to myself,
0: what, like I should have called you and told you that I ended up texting you or messaging you eventually, but I should have reached out to you a lot sooner. And like, told you what had happened because i've told my wife like multiple times like if it wasn't for josh like i never would have met sean like literally that conversation changed my life that's
1: awesome i love it dude Uh, and that's why i refer those guys all the time like man they're awesome physical therapists they understand that you don't want to be just a guy that can walk up and down the flight of steps i want to go out and do man stuff yeah right and i mean the the same thing with me i I, when i had neck surgery i thought i'd never do jujitsu again and he helped me get back to where I was doing jiu-jitsu again. I was depressed about it, man. And um, that's why I share it because it's a great story. But, man, you're right. Like, being around other men that can talk about just the struggle of what it is, um, not a whiny pity party, right, but just the struggles you're going with, they understand. And and I can't remember who it was. Might have been Jordan Peterson. said, a friend is somebody you can tell good news to, but it's also, uh, oh, you can tell bad news to, but a friend is also someone you can tell good good news to and is genuinely happy for you
0: yeah right yep
1: like man there's a lot of people around you and around us that sometimes they actually want to see
0: you fail yeah they're jealous of what you have or they're jealous of what you're doing they wish they were doing it you know and it's like if i can't have it i'd rather not anybody have it yeah i see that
1: in weight loss a lot of people keep people from losing weight because they don't want to lose weight because they don't want to be successful right and that's why that's why i like i literally teach my kid like you have an expectation by learning how to protect yourself to protect those who can't protect themselves. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility, right? And I remember it was not to the, that level, but I remember when I had neck surgery and for six months, I felt completely useless mostly because one, if something went down at my house or out in the community, I probably, I couldn't protect myself. There's no way nerve pain, broken neck, neck surgery. I couldn't protect my kid. I couldn't protect my family. I mean, there's probably a lot to unwrap there, but Man, I felt absolutely useless because I couldn't do anything.
0: Yeah. And now nope. you can and you
1: just, same thing with your back.
0: Dude. I, I was gonna say I you're literally talking about the things that my thoughts that went through my head, you know, because I was I trained a lot with firearms and um I don't know Brazilian jujitsu. I actually need to start doing that because I need to be able to do be better on the ground. Um, but I've always been able to take care of myself um physically. I've always felt like, you know, if I came up against somebody that meant to do somebody harm, like, you know, I've got a concealed carry permit Mm -hmm. that I could do something to at least keep them off so that my kid or my wife could escape Mm -hmm. um, no matter what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then I, I had this, that period of time, like between my second and third surgery where I was just, I was just a wreck.
1: How many surgery you've had? Three.
0: Um, but i was like i was going through that like i had gained all this weight because i couldn't do anything um i hurt like so bad that i actually was sitting there saying that to myself like if something happened could i even physically you know chase that person down yeah. could i you know would i be able to get into a you know grapple with that person and like ward them off and uh man I would, it's like you i had to fight to keep from going to a really dark place mm. you know like you can mm. yeah y- those are the kind of places where you could sit there and go you know oh you could end up in a bottle or mm-hmm. you know you could end up uh od in or whatever mm-hmm. you know because uh, i was also on pain medicine like during all this stuff mm-hmm. right and i wasn't abusing the pain medicine but i was having to take more and more pain medication to try to fight the pain and it was just kind of escalating Mm -hmm. um and so then it was like i think that i started forgetting things Mm. you know like things would start to happen and my wife would like talk about it and and i'd be like she'd like oh, remember we were talking about this and i was like no i don't remember that um and i started to like realize shit like this thing can go sideways. Like it's kind of going a little bit sideways. Like I never, nothing happened with my job. Nothing happened with my ability to provide for my family, but I started to be not a hundred percent there, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like when I was like, I struggled with that for probably six to eight months. Okay, you know, before, I honestly, before you and I had that conversation and I, I started for somehow, I think I was watching, I watched Rogan, I saw Cameron Haynes, there was something about the mountains and hunting and all this that kind of lit a fire in me and made me kind of recognize, dude, you better get your shit together and like be present and get a lot healthier so you can be present with those people. Yeah. That's a hard one to admit to yourself, man. Yeah. Um... You want to talk about unpacking?
1: yeah so i was gonna say yeah so, no i was gonna say like
0: sorry i talked a no, lot more than i know no there.
1: no so what it reminds me of is we talk about toxic masculinity and men being there for men and one of the greatest things i ever did was get a therapist christian counselor i go to because if i don't i'm gonna go sideways and become a crazy person and fly off because i'm so intense i have such an intense personality i yeah. spend the majority of my time trying to not be so intense
0: mm-hmm. right I think you do a good job with that.
1: I've walked into the football in the workouts in the morning, sometimes during the football, even if it's warm-ups, and looking at John Wheeler, he's like, yo, Cass okay? Like, I'm on one right now. It's seven o'clock in the morning. I'm on one. I'm on one right now. Like I feel like I could chew through a piece of steel and something just irked me. And, and and you know, I need to do something. I need someone to I need a friend to choke me up, right?
0: And you figured out how not to unleash that on your unleash
1: family. Unleash that, yeah. On my, <laughs> I do on my friends now. We go to jujitsu. That's better than, than yeah, your family. I, we go to jujitsu. I said, um, usually when I go to jujitsu, it's not because I need to choke somebody out. Because I need like five dudes to choke me out. Because I need to be humbled, <laughs> right? And um, and my therapist one time said, everything starts with a thought. All the good times and the bad times that lead starts with a thought. You think something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what it reminds me of is. When I was in severe pain and you were in severe pain and nerve pain, I tell people, Hey, there's pain. Then there's nerve pain. Yeah. Nerve pain made me want to cut off a foot and cut off an arm.
0: Yeah. That's right? the one I still, I don't have it the way I used to have yeah. it, but I still, that's the one I still have some, of.
1: but the thought that creeps into your brain. And I, I went down that route with, with, with my, with the, with the, with the, with a back foot injury where it started with pain pills back in the day. And I, I, I haven't had any sense, but it, it got, to a point where it was dangerous um, where you think, I don't know if I want to live this way anymore. And that's a scary little thought because you think if I'm going to have to live in, if if I'm going to have to live in this pain for the rest of my life, and this is the cross I got to bear is this pain one what kind of quality of life is this who am i doing anything good for
0: and do i really want to live this way and that's not that's a, a thought that's not and that's also not a conversation that you sit there and have with your wife right no, that's a tough yeah because, because that scares this cuz sh- what's that turn into
1: it, is he suicidal
0: dude bang right i've there, been and right? it's, it, it's, you
1: don't want to say that but that's the beginning of the thought of the lie that creeps into your head of i have no value
0: if mm-hmm. I have to be in this kind of pain for the rest of my life, you that's... you nailed it right there. Yeah. The value thing, right? Yeah. Because as men, we put a ton of value in our ability to provide to protect. Even if our wife's a provider, right? Mm-hmm. We still ultimately feel like if shit goes sideways, it's my job, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's you. You're right. You start to tell yourself this lie, right? Of all those things that you just said, and then you. I had that same thought, right? I was like, I'm 52, whatever, at the time, 53. Like, I could potentially live another 30 to 35 years based upon my genetics, but I know I can't live it like this. Mm-mm. And so it's not like you're sitting there going, I'm ready to off my. No, sock. I'm not sitting there going, yeah, where's right? the bullet and put it in my no, head? No, yeah. but it's more like hope yeah it's like you lose hope and then you start to go well it wouldn't be so bad if i got cancer or like yeah. you know i'm just like i know it sounds freaking ridiculous you and start people, being like you know i got that big fat life insurance policy and people will be <laughs> like you're freaking like it's yeah. just you can't really explain when you lose hope and you lose all the things that you valued in yourself your whole life you can't really explain what it is like how that feels i don't even know how to express it yeah. very well yeah and it's
1: and that's that one thought you have that, yeah, thought. It's that thought. That one thought pops in your brain and you go,
0: hmm, is this how
1: I'm gonna live the rest of my life? Right. And it happens like a weird, pl- you're just walking down the flight of steps, and
0: you can't do this, or you can't do that, or yeah. this hurts like hell.
1: Yeah, you can't grab, you can't twist your arms or and you're just sitting there by yourself and you go, Is this how I want to live the rest of my life?
0: That's the beginning of that one yeah. thought. And that's there's a sp- and then a spider spirals, webs. spirals right? Yeah. Spider webs and Zzz.
1: spirals, right? And that's a scary place to be, man, because hope is gone can't protect your family got to live this way especially when you've been an athlete you've been strong Mm -hmm. been athletic you've been capable your whole life and there's going to be levels when we age we're going to get less capable to do certain things sure that's just how it works but we can
0: abate a lot of that yeah with
1: exercise yeah passion lifting eating right sleeping take care of your body don't poison your body being around great people and finding something you're passionate for and having a community of people that back you up yeah, that are going to look at you and
0: say whose car are we driving yep i actually started a men's i think it was the middle of the season last year like this is before i ever started figuring out the hunting thing or kind of got passionate about getting in shape i knew that stuff i knew i was like who would i pick up the phone and call right now That mm. i not not that i didn't have friends i have friends but there's a difference between having friends and feeling like you can pick up the phone and saying to somebody I got problems. Who's car drive? I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like saying that. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, I don't have that person. Mm. And I, I started like just a men's group in the morning. It's like kind of a Bible study, but honestly we do that for 15 or 20 minutes and we end up the rest of the time. It's like, everyone's talking about stuff they need to talk about. Um, and I did that just for, because of that. It was like completely selfish and it's turned into something different now. Yeah. Um, but that's, I was like, I need some people that I could call if things go sideways, you know? And I didn't feel like I had anybody. God,
1: isn't that the lie that men feel that you got to be able to be tough? Oh, you're soft, or You're not tough. If you, if you, if you, if you need that, or, you know, man, oh, that, yeah. ain't, that ain't, that ain't the truth, brother. And there's freedom in that. There's a lot of guys out there that need men like that. And they're going to be, there's freedom in no, you know, there's freedom in knowing that like a lot of dudes are struggling like you are. Yeah. And when you hear their story, you're like, I'm
0: not alone, man. Being alone, loneliness. That's the worst thing. That's the worst. That's the worst is feeling like you're the only guy going through that. You know, you're just kind of secluded and there are certain things, you know, my wife doesn't ever listen to these, so she'll probably never hear this. But even if she did, um, there's certain things that you just don't want to tell your wife Mm -hmm. because you feel responsible. Mm -hmm. Right. You're like, I don't want to share the worst fear I have. I don't want to share this like kind of dark place I'm in because I don't want to scare them. Mm. Right. Like that's, and I don't know that may be the wrong thing to do. Like, I don't know if that's right or that's wrong, but I always kind of feel like there's this certain level of like, I can share a lot and I share most of the things, but I also feel like my, you know, biblically I'm tasked with taking care of my family and I don't want them so scared that they feel like I can't ever do that. Mm. And so I think, like you said, you've got to have, men that you can talk to you know about that kind of stuff and i think the guys who end up sometimes killing themselves don't have like they don't have a place where they feel like they can go yeah you they've know they've been isolated they isolate themselves they've been told a lie yeah the
1: devil reeks brain in their head with those lies dude
0: that yep the 100%. devil takes that thought one thought that it one thought, with a thought and starts to tell you all kinds of lies yep
1: yeah and that's that's the one thought that got me when i thought like Man, do I really want to live that way for the rest of my life?
0: Yeah. No, I've had that. I had that. And, and When too. I had
1: that, like that messed with me. And I'm like, well, I'm not suicidal. Right.
0: I'm literally I'm like, a, you're I, saying I'm the things saying that were
1: that, that you're that's exact same. I'm stuff not about thinking. to like go jump off a roof or, right. or, or no. take that, you know, I'm not going to take a 30 to 38, no. but I wouldn't be too upset if <laughs> that semi blew the red light. Right. You know
0: what I'm saying? And 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 that's a like it sounds insane coming out of your mouth, but I had the same thoughts, <laughs> yeah, right? Man. Like that chronic like, pain of
1: living that way. Like,
0: I'm not a coward. I won't do it to myself. Yeah, but yeah. if I was, if I, if somebody told me I have to live like this for 30 years, do I want to? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a millions of people going through that, bro. A lot
1: of pain. Well, yeah, whether it's physical
0: pain, emotional pain, guys who've come home from war. Like, you know, there's the, the veteran suicide rate. Like there's just, so I think it's not just veterans, but I heard, I can't remember the stat, but I heard the stat, um, the other day and I've heard it two or three times that the highest rate of suicide as a demographic of our population is middle-aged adult males and not just military, but white collar people who, who, basically have lost purpose they're just lost mm. one thing that me and
1: kimry always connected on was book reading and then he and i had read a lot of the same books and even two weeks ago he sent me a book he's like read this book I'm like, all right i trust him i'll read this book if you get
0: any time you get a book from now on text me okay I'll send it. You. Yeah. i want to get in on the book reading okay loop. so he he and I, I love to read
1: he and i got big into like the existential meaning of purpose of life mm-hmm. right and we'd have these long conversations in his office that would turn into like these diagrams on the wall and we're discussing stuff and reading these thing books. And, um, and I remember one day we broke down life and we're like, you know what? Life is hard. Life can suck, right? It's an imperfect place. We're on earth. But what are we here for? We're here because we have to find a purpose that we believe in. That's greater than the suck that motivates us every day. And if we don't have a purpose and a meaning greater that shines greater than the level of struggle we go through, we're going to be miserable, crotchety, evil, tyrannical men. If we don't find something greater than that to have purpose of living for every day. And those are the
0: people that really are, do have toxic masculinity. Right. There are people that, that they are weak that fit that. But the funny part is just like you said, the people who fit the real definition of toxic masculinity are not strong men. They're weak men. They're weak men.
1: Yes. They're tyrannical men. Mm-hmm. So we broke down like this whole concept of
0: they compensate for their weakness with the way they tyranny act. with
1: tyranny mm-hmm. because there's a lack of love in their life. That's there's exactly love and right.
0: Yeah. There's no love
1: in the life. There's no compassion in the life. There's no purpose in their life. And they're weak men. They use the strength and power they have for tyranny. Um, and they do scary, scary things. You've heard the quote all the time. If you're worried about what strong men could do, wait until you see what a weak man is capable of. And that's, I think, the biggest fear in society we have as a strong man is that why we wouldn't pick up a gun and do horrible things with it to strangers, but like, I think about it sometimes. If there is a point that I had to physically defend myself, what is somebody else willing to do that I'm not?
0: Right? I don't think there's anybody that's willing to do anything you're not willing to do. There's anything. a
1: Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, Leandro Lowe, was recently murdered in Brazil. There was a bar altercation.
0: Yeah. So whoever, first mistake.
1: Whoever first mistake is yeah, right? Yeah. Bar Borrowed. walk away. Bro. Get out. Walk away. Get away from it. He got in a bar altercation with a guy. And he's Leandro low. He's a world champion. And he apparently choked this dude out, put him to sleep and him him in front of all his buddies. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy leaves, goes back to his house, comes back and blows his brains out.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. He was willing to do something as a weak human being. Cause he got embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, you can unpack that too. First off, if you're Brazilian world champion, Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. Don't be getting in bar fights.
0: Yeah, exactly. Say just cause you can, doesn't mean you should
1: and walk away. But, um, yeah, I think um, I think you have to find a greater purpose beyond the struggle that you face every day, and I think that's how some people come back from struggle. You know, being a coach, you learned that every kid has a different environment, and some. And I, and I made this post yesterday. I said it doesn't happen so much at the school I'm at, but I know it happens. It still does happen. I believe in rules. I believe in follow time When you make a commitment to the tiny team. You have rules that you got to stick to those rules. But if you're a teacher and you're out there or you're a coach and you're out there and there's a kid that's one minute late, or there's a teacher or a kid that's falling asleep in class or tired, maybe find a, an understanding of what's going on in that kid's life. Ask some questions. Ask some questions. Yeah, Context matters. Right. And man, I think people forget that. That there's a lot of kids that are going through some crap that maybe just ask some questions and find out what they're going through. Yeah. Right. That kid might have a job at night to help pay the bills for the family. And he's busting tables until one o'clock in the morning and it's 7:15 football game or football practice. And mom gets up for work at six, and he's got to take sister to this to school or to daycare before they come and
0: or dad came home drunk and dad beat up his mom. Be, I mean, who kno- yeah, the stories? There's a lot of bad stuff know. that happens at home, man. Right?
1: You—that's a responsibility as a coach or a teacher. To instead of saying that kid's a turd, mm-hmm. we'll find out what's going on. Right. Right. Find out why. Yeah. Stick to the rules, but there's context, man. Right. There's context. Right. But um, same thing with your friends, man. We don't hear from your friends for a while, but they're still posting these great things on social media. Maybe something is going on. God, you know what you know what I saw, and if we're getting real real, you know what I saw. I think my my counselor showed it to me, and they they talked about it this past week um, at New Spring Church when I went to church. Um, they're talking about men and struggles and pornography.
0: Oh, dude, that's a freaking-
1: holy! Some of the stats
0: they blew out. Holy cow! America, the United States, is the number one. Consumer of pornography in the entire world, also the number one prescription meds. In prescription meds, (laughs) also from what I've at least heard in the last since this whole you know sound of freedom came out, I think it's the number one consumer of like child pornography too. It's like you you, you may you want to think that that's somewhere else. It's right here in our backyard, man. My, but you're right that just pornography in general is an epidemic. I consider that an epidemic. I do too. Yep. Like I I have um I have seen firsthand not me but I have seen firsthand it destroy families or become very close to destroying families. Brutal. Like people that I'm very close to. It's
1: right there accessible on the phone too, right? Right it's there. It's
0: accessible anywhere like and I mean with what this only fans and stuff where you can actually have live interaction with people it's not just watching stuff anymore
1: interacting with them
0: they're interacting with them like you're literally substituting your wife for somebody else you know which then eliminates any kind of intimacy that you want to have with your wife because you now have created this you know version of what your wife is supposed to be based upon this false interaction Mm -hmm. you're having with somebody because you're paying them
1: Man, I tell you, I couldn't imagine as a kid growing up with what kids have access to now.
0: Oh, I couldn't either. I mean, you know, I was not like the person I am today. And I'm not, you know, I'm not holding myself out to be some holier than thou guy, but I'm a lot more disciplined and I recognize that, you know, I, I make a lot of decisions I make because of my faith and because of the the loyalty that I have in my family but I was a normal kid growing up. Like I was like looking at playboy and Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, which translates that today. And that's like 9 million websites with sex on it. Right. There's like, we looked at a naked girl in the centerfold and we like, Oh my gosh, I hope my dad doesn't see this. Yeah. You know, they got a phone in their pocket that they can look at hardcore pornography with. Yeah. We just At had their that one, we
1: just had that one buddy who stole his dad's Playboy when we were, you know what I'm saying? That, right.
0: You're like, "Oh, it's tucked up in the it's it's Yeah. It's up it's, under the it's on the top shelf underneath yeah, the sweaters." And
1: now it's just it's a click, it's accessible. <laughs> yeah. All over the place, man, and I just and
0: it's addictive, bro. I don't know if it I could have managed that as a kid. It's addictive.
1: I can imagine if I could if I could have handled that as a kid and, and and um
0: but I've seen like you know I, I was, I I can't, I think it was Jordan Peterson again, but I've heard multiple psychiatrists talk about this and it's that, you know, people that watch a lot of pornography, that becomes what's normal to them. Right. And most pornography is not normal. It's not normal. Normal like, intimacy. No, it's yeah. like very escalated. Um, you know, some of it, like there's some that's like way outside, but, even if it's not, it's like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, in the backyard cooking. Oh, hey, somebody showed up at the door, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, and that becomes normal. And then when they actually have a regular relationship, it's like not satisfying. Dopamine Nation is a book you should read. Oh, yes, Dopamine
1: Nation. Talk about the uh, that's a book I read that really changed our entire
0: culture right now. It's really changed how I address social media. Um, what are you doing there? with what when you say how i address social media like what changes did you make
1: um so one thing i stopped doing is obviously reading I, I got away from the news and the media
0: i did that too like um, almost a year ago yeah, I don't start, even pay attention I started to get, it. my
1: mom's all wrapped up into it and she'll talk to me about it and i just like mom i don't i don't care, care. right yeah right so toxic i just i just um uh, mindless scrolling i started paying attention to mindless scrolling part of that is because i stay away from screen time at night um, the
0: hardest thing is when do you check out? Like, do you check out on it at a certain time or what do you do? So
1: I I don't do social, I try not do anything anything screen time an hour to an hour and a half before bed. That's smart. Start reading more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that helps with screen time. The hardest thing for me is part of my business is run through the phone. So I do a lot of work on the phone.
0: I'm the same way. business on the phone. Mm-hmm.
1: Um and then you don't you end up going like, oh, what's on Instagram? We'll oh, do some work. Oh, what's on Instagram? Do some work. I
0: did did that this morning, man. I was like, I clicked on something because I wanted to see a post that one of my clients put up. And then I saw somebody's story and I was like, oh. like
1: I took on Instagram. I followed 2,000 people that I have no clue who they are, websites, all these kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. social media people. And about two years ago, I knocked it down to like 300. I just went in there and started unfollowing all kinds of people just Um, following unfollowing we'll look and see how many people if it wasn't right now if it wasn't fitness if it wasn't nutrition if it wasn't jujitsu or coaching or a friend i had i i took it off i stopped i stopped following them
0: i'm following 749 people and i bet you a ton of them i need to take on
1: right so i took those people off i stopped following anything media um and i limited my nighttime screen time
0: I think and, that's, a, and that, that, I started
1: that, doing more of my work on my computer. That home. nighttime thing is smart. Yeah. Oh, there's research. There's dude, I got, I got really deep into sleep research and the effects of sleep on the brain. Yeah. Um, why we sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker was a book. Um, Joe Rogan interviewed him and I'm reading the book. And then a friend of mine does a lot of sleep research. Um, and I really got serious about sleep, sleep quality, mm-hmm. sleep hygiene. They call it the nerds call it sleep hygiene. Um, and it's effect on the phone. Um, and I started doing more computer work at home on the computer that, as opposed to the phone.
0: That's really smart because you can do everything you need to do on a computer, but you don't have, it's not as easy. Like you have to go log on to Instagram. It's not just like, oh, tap on the app. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, right there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just a, it, it kind of puts a barrier in place. And I, I agree with you. Like I've actually been back and forth. I've, I've heard like uh, a lot of people who don't even take their phone in their bedroom. Like I've kind of been toying with that thing. Uh, no, I don't think I do even, that.
1: Uh, Have any plugins, anything that's plug in in their home? Yeah. Um.
0: I guess I'd have to get a battery operated alarm clock to get. They it set. They set their phone outside
1: the. Uh, outside the door so when the alarm goes off they get up and have to walk to the door mm-hmm. because it's, it's hitting snooze over and over it can be negative to the sleep so you got to get up and turn the alarm off my
0: wife might not like that yeah exactly i get right. up at 4 30 in the yeah. morning and train yeah and she's usually sleeps till about six yeah. she'd be like
1: get up and answer that damn phone yeah. every every hour of <laughs> sleep before midnight is worth two hours after midnight
0: every hour, hour of sleep before, before midnight, midnight is, worth, is worth two hours of sleep oh so midnight. the earlier you go to bed before midnight the, the better. quality sleep
1: you have I did uh, not. I've never heard that. The routine. Go to bed and get up at the same time every day, regardless of the weekends.
0: Yeah. Um, I do try to do that.
1: Uh, darken out the room.
0: I do that. Um, Ours is pitch black.
1: No food two hours before bed.
0: I've gotten a lot better with that. Okay. I used to be a terrible nighttime eater, and yeah. now I don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. So last meal for me is 8 o'clock. I try to go to bed around 10.
0: The time you get up? Six. So you're getting eight hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I try to do that regardless. Even on the weekends, get up. Smart. And do something. Um, just sleep and brain function, especially when you look at it for kids and ADD and ADHD and sleep, things like that.
0: Um, that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, I think it? like we, super, could we could literally we could literally have an entire right? like sit here for two hours. I think talk sleep about is sleep. a
1: superpower that people don't pay don't tap into. Part of I that is to you. the is, is I think so you can kind of blame that on the social media guy. I mean, I love the grind. I don't I don't really connect to the guy on social media that says do more, do more, do more, work harder, work harder, get up earlier, get up earlier, get up early, grind, mm-hmm. grind, grind, grind. Because if I connect to that more, I become more that way. And then I take it, everything to an extreme. Yeah. Um. Because one thing about my personality is I don't get a hold of things and like things just a little bit. I get a hold of things and like things a lot.
0: Dude, that's me. My wife's always like, she goes you have no hobbies you have addictions yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i tell people all the time when they're like well what about moderation i'm like yeah i thought about that with tattoos too and that <laughs> com- completely didn't work well at all right so even like brazilian jiu-jitsu i got to like like limit when i go and and
0: keep how often do you do that a week
1: four days a week i cut back from five yeah or i could probably do three and be fine right yeah um but you left one you will left that three days a week mornings or
0: afternoon uh and you left while you're at school like
1: uh, yeah i lived at school i'll lift in school in the mornings when school starts back in and the afternoons when when summer workouts are going gotcha yeah that's just part of who i am at this point that's yeah. just like part of what you do yeah
0: i mean the only reason i start like i didn't start getting up at 4 30 in the morning because of a bunch of instagram stuff because i used to see jocko and those guys post 4 30 all the time and i was like i ain't going up before like i'm a not i'm a freaking night guy I'm the guy who stay up to 1 a.m. and sleep till like 9. Mm -hmm. Even on a work day, I would be like, oh, I'll schedule my calls for 10. Yeah. Um, But what I found was, A, I would like wake up and have to immediately start thinking about work. And it was stressful. Yeah. Like I kind of got just got blasted into the day. And then I wasn't working out enough because the day would just take over. Mm -hmm. And it would be like.
1: Cause the rest of the world's up
0: the, Yeah. And then meetings are happening and, and you know, somebody in the family needs something. I need to go do this. And it's seven o'clock and I'm tired and I don't want to work out. Yeah. I did it out of necessity. And like the first two months, like first 30 days was miserable. I freaking hated it. Really? I was like, yeah. Like time to was- go to bed. Uh, I try to go to bed by nine 30. Like I try to get seven hours. Thinking, yeah. Um, but like lots of times it's 10, 10, 15. And I end up with, it's not a, I end up with yeah. six, which isn't enough for six and a half. But, you know, what I do is I get up. I have to ice like in the morning before. Yeah, I you told me out.
1: ice in the morning feels really good. You just said that. Before. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I get up. I take, you know, my ibuprofen. I ice. And while I'm doing that, I do my Bible study and my prayer time, which I was also made a commitment to do a lot more of because before it was like nighttime. And I do like, oh, read my Bible study for five minutes. So it's kind of like a checklist. thing. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. really spending quality time in prayer. So I do that first. And then by about six, I'm in the gym. Okay. and i get that done and then i still have seven fifteen. you know seven i'm done and then i've still got like an hour and a half to kind of cruise into the day and yeah. feel comfortable working you know and i'm yeah. just not rushed nothing rushes me at that point and i feel yeah. really mentally good going into the work day
1: it took 30 days to build that routine
0: i'd say 30 days to f- for it to not be super hard to yeah. almost to get to the point now where like over the weekend uh we had one day where I think we slept till eight. Okay. And I was like I woke up and just kind of felt out of sorts. And now you have that habit. Yeah. Now it's a habit of 430. It's a habit. 430. So, yeah. 430, 445. Every you're day. motivated to be up at that time. Yeah, I'm totally motivated.
1: Isn't it interesting how discipline supersedes motivation?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so yep. many people. It's a habit.
1: So many people think they're not disciplined because they're not motivated. Yeah. It's the other way around. Actually the other way around Mm -hmm. your discipline supersedes motivation. You're not motivated until you're disciplined first, Mm -hmm. then you become motivated for it. Yeah. People miss that. I think in a lot of
0: things, write it down, be disciplined to it and you'll be motivated later. Well, it makes sense, right? When you first started playing a sport when you were a kid, Right, not just hey, let's go out and play t-ball, but when it got to the point where you had actually you had to make a commitment, show up, your coach was driving you, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Right, you didn't go. I can't wait to go to practice and yeah. get killed. Yeah. Right, you you were disciplined through that to the point where then you were good and you were in shape, and now all of a sudden you're you're like, I want to go to practice because yeah. I'm going to freaking kill that guy. Yeah, right. It's because you knew you could. It's yeah. the exact same thing what you're talking about. And honestly, I've never even made that mental connection. You know who does jiu-jitsu now, Sean physical therapist th- oh does he really yeah. did
1: he just start because he, he hadn't been doing so it, he before, did it for think. six months uh-huh. and covid hit and working in a physical therapy clinic he felt responsible like he oh, couldn't take it in there ultra, he was, he's an ultra responsible human
0: yeah right no he's a great dude i know
1: and he's like i can't go be with dudes in jujitsu and what if i take covid into the clinic because he's got, got a lot of old people in, in there. there he's got yeah. a responsibility as a medical professional yep so he quit and now he's been back about another six months and now he loves it absolutely like he's just it's engulfed his brain. Mm-hmm. And you know, the hardest thing to do in jiu-jitsu is to be a white belt. And just get your ass handed you your to you. Ass handed every day to you Because everybody <laughs> when you walk in brand new, you're immediately put on you're immediately put on the hierarchy at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So the dudes that used to be at the bottom.
0: They're crushing you. They're
1: crushing you <laughs> after they've been there a year. They're no longer the new guy, crush yeah. the new guy, right?
0: They're finally not the guy getting crushed. They're they not, get to like... and they love it, right? <laughs> they
1: love it. They love the new guy. And does jujitsu is just that thing where like you have to show up every day to get your ass beat in mm-hmm. until you earn the ability to be a little higher on the totem pole, yeah, until you're handing it out. But you got to go a year to a year and a half of completely. Swimming in the ocean with sharks, while somebody throws a cinder block on your chest, because that's what it feels like. And you got to have that discipline first, and later on in time, you earn it. And I have I have this conversation every year at the beginning of workouts with the sophomores that are working out with varsity for the first time. Mm -hmm. It sucks. You're you're not as strong. You're still fifteen. Yeah. You've never done this. Probably not going to play a lot. You got to go through everything, and it's harder for you. And yet you got to sit on the sideline and earn your keep. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's hard. Yeah, it is. That's hard to do. I said, I tell them, I respect you guys for coming through this, knowing the reward is just to be part of a team. You ain't catch any touchdowns on Friday nights, bro. Like you can have a white Jersey. Might not even clean it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's hard. And I think that's a great aspect in life. I always respect somebody. Who has the courage to suck at something new how bad did you suck at hunting when you first started shooting
0: that blow dude i still suck at it dude i, I know I mean, right I'm when like... somebody
1: asks me about jujitsu and if like, you're good a lot of times like <laughs> another jujitsu guy be like are you good yet i'm like no, i still suck i'm probably gonna suck forever right like yeah
0: no right? i mean but yeah i mean i'm like compared to where i was you know i'm starting to to group some stuff but it's always a, a, a stepwise process right so I'm finally starting to shoot the bow pretty good and group stuff pretty good. But that's a big difference between knowing how to hunt. Like this is the first fall that I'm going to go out and get my ass kicked in the woods because I don't know anything. Mm. Right. I mean, I've been asking people questions and trying to learn. But like these guys have been their dads taught them to hunt when they were 10. I'm 55 years old. So I may be able to shoot a bow, but I may never even see a freaking buck because I don't know how to get on one. Or whatever, and there's
1: nobody to really simulate that, right? Like, no, you, can, you can't simulate that.
0: You can learn stuff online. You can. There's all. There's so much information now. I've watched a gazillion things, but at the end of the day, you still have to go out you have there, to go out there and do it, right? And just like BJJ, yeah. Like I pretty much have to accept mentally that I'm going to go out there, and I may get skunked the whole year, yeah. But I got to go out there because that's how I'm going to learn. Yeah,
1: that's the process. You know, that's I tell people process. that's what's like competing in jujitsu. They're like, hey how can I get ready for a jujitsu tournament? I'm like, man, I don't know if we can simulate that kind of fear and courage it takes <laughs> for some guy to walk out there, a ref go, you ready? Are you ready? You slap hands. You don't even know the guy. And he's going to try and choke you out. Yeah. I can't simulate that to you unless like you wake up in the morning and walk out into your kitchen and that's me right there, jumping on you and like, you yep, know, that's choking right. the fire out of you. There's not a way to simulate right. that environment other than going and doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. But think about how much better you're going to be the second time you go yeah that's what i'm saying and you just have to be able to you got to embrace that man you just got to. you have to embrace the, the one thing that this the back thing the the hunting thing that all this stuff has taught me is to really embrace and I, it sounds cliche but embrace the journey mm-hmm. like i sometimes i get up and i hurt like hell sometimes i get up and i feel pretty good but every day that i take the ice off and get in the gym i'm like i'm winning you know, like I you can't focus on where you want to be six months from now. Like you just got to like be happy with the fact that you're doing what you're doing today and know that whatever you do today is a little building block to make you a little bit better tomorrow and a little bit better. And like you said, man, if you can just recognize that the, the discipline is what provides the motivation and not the motivation, providing the discipline. You're going to be where you want to be.
1: That's what happened when I had neck surgery, like horrible leading up to it, finally had it.
0: Not Not fun after either. No, not fun after (laughs) surgery
1: for about a week, right? Um, Then when I was healed and everything was fine, I was really super excited to know, okay, I have no limitations. Surgery Mm -hmm. fixes the problem. Lost eight degrees range of motion, right and left. Probably can't roll upside down, and get crazy anymore. You know, I'm not gonna do some of that anymore, but I don't need to do that anymore. But I have no excuses, and I immediately became super excited about the journey. Yeah, getting back of getting back and putting that behind me mm-hmm. that you just start checking off days. Day one, day 10, yep. day 30, day 90, six months back on the mat. Right? All right, now six months, nine months year. That's a, that's a, I mean, not everybody has that mindset and it's very easy to sit across from somebody and be like, Oh, you just got to enjoy the journey. But there's something that's very rewarding about knowing that you checked off the days one day at a time.
0: And that, but that's a, that's a mindset. And it comes back to what you said at the very beginning when we started talking about, you know, people our age, like how, and that's find something you have a passion for, mm-hmm. right? If you're just going out there every day to go out there, you, you don't have that. Like you can't enjoy the journey cause you're not going anywhere. You know, you're just trying to do something because you want to lose some weight or you want to look good or whatever. And no, so losing the weight might be the journey, right? If that's really what motivates you. But for most people, it's like, I want to be able to do this or I want to be able to go accomplish this or whatever. Um, and for me, it's the elk hunting thing, right? I'm not even going to elk hunt this year. Like, it's my daughter's senior year. That's why I'm not coaching football. I'm going to be here for everything. I'm literally training to elk hunt in the fall of 2024. Mm. And I started that in December. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, by the time I actually go out there, which will probably be September of 2024, because that's when archery season opens. 20 months. 20 months. And every day I get up, that's what I think about. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But that's right. like, you. that's the why, right? Yeah. That's the why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody needs that man. Yeah, man. I mean,
1: something feeds to, and and I'll say this too. I don't know how people have that without some sort of faith in their life, right? Without some sort of of biblical faith in their life, right? <sighs> I don't know how some people can go through a struggle without knowing there's not something greater out there. I think that's a lonely—that's a lonely place to be for people that believe oh, we just we're an evolutionary mistake. Yeah, and when it's all said and done, you're dust. Yeah, man, I don't know how some people go through real struggle without understanding
0: the greater purpose behind it all. I think those, a lot of those people, um, you know, you always, when you talk to those people, lots of times they talk about, it always seems like they're trying to fill something, right? Some of them are trying to fill it with money. Some of them are trying to fill it with sex. Some of them are trying to fill it with power, achievement, whatever. Um, But I think a lot of times that's when you meet these people that have all the stuff they say that they want to have, but then when they get it, there's nothing there. They don't feel the satisfaction that they thought they were going to feel from it. Mm -hmm. And it's because they don't, you know, have that belief, you know, for me, it's my belief in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. but that's what got me through, you know, and that's a whole nother conversation, which I'd love to have, like, I'd love to have you back on and talk about that. Um, you know, we're at like an hour and 37 minutes. I know you got to go. And at some point people stop listening, but I'll just say this, the, and we can kind of tee off on this maybe next time, but When, when I was trying to come off the pain medication that I had been on for four years, and at that point I was taking close to sixty milligrams of Oxycontin a day, which, yeah. you know, compared to like some of these other people, it's nothing. But when you're taking, and also my doctor, what
1: farb dosages are those?
0: Uh, you know, ten milligrams, six uh, a day, ten milligram tablets six times a day. So you know, a lot. Uh, for the normal person. And then my doctor had also put me on an, an anti anxiety medication um, just because I guess they thought it would help. You know, I don't know. I don't, I think, who knows? Right. I think I had the anxiety was probably from the pain. They kind yeah. of thought there was some kind of a pain, like a brain relation. Anyway, now that I know this, again, this, I learned this from Peterson, right? But I guess coming off the anxiety medication is like five times harder than coming off the pain medication. Well, i didn't know this mm. i got with a guy who specialized in helping people you know go through withdrawal like at home withdrawal i didn't have to go do it from an institution thank god um but it was the worst 10 days of like my life in terms of physically uh like literally i didn't sleep uh my legs feel like they're just gonna crawl out of my body i can't even explain it but the, the I mean, the story is really long and we can do it a different time. But essentially I remember laying in bed one night and the only thing that got me through all this was my faith, mm-hmm. you know? And I was, I was literally, I was probably praying for three hours. Like, cause I couldn't sleep. My body was just in this sensation overload thing that I couldn't even explain. And I was listening to Hillsong to this mm-hmm. new song that they had just put out. Um, and uh, I'd probably heard it, 50 times at this point and i literally just like start i was like all of a sudden complete blackness you know like which i was laying in the dark and then all of a sudden i saw this like blue kind of flame mm-hmm. right and i was like i knew that it was god mm-hmm. i knew that like that it was jesus mm-hmm. and he was like you're gonna be okay mm-hmm. and all the stillness and my, all my restlessness went away in my mm-hmm. legs all these sensations like abated didn't completely go away, but got much more tolerable. But more than anything, I got hope, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was like, that was kind of what got me over the hump because it was like, when that was going on, I was like literally walking around the house, trying to find pain medication.
1: Wow. And you were out, had nothing. Well, my,
0: so my wife was, you know, she was in on the, on the gig, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we worked with the 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 guy who was helping me through withdrawal you know she was part of the conversation part of the therapy and it was like get all that stuff out of the house right it's got to be gone like he can't be tempted because he will be tempted like when it gets really bad and he's like and it will get bad um which like again this is a great we should have this conversation separately a different time but um it was uh i had tucked away like four tablets Somewhere that I thought I had hidden them, like just because I was afraid, then because that's what you do.
1: Yeah.
0: And she found them, and had flushed them, and I didn't know it. And I was looking for stuff high and low. I was like trying to. I was like, maybe, man, maybe I left one in in my pocket of these pants I haven't worn in six months. Like I was doing that shit. Oh, and there was nothing there. That's intense, bro. Yeah. It was freaking. That's intense. It was. It was. I do. I really do. Really hard.
1: I do one hundred percent believe. From the bottom of my heart that there's no limit to the amount of things god will do in your life if at the end of the result means that he has
0: your attention <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say he's gonna and so he's people, not gonna let you deviate some man.
1: people will see that as an evil mean abuse of god why would he make you go through that my mindset is I see it as grace. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? I, I don't want the alternative. I don't and want he quits it. on you. Yeah. And he quit either. and he quit talking to you Yeah, and he quit getting you to the attention. If it took intense nerve pain,
0: then I'm on board. Yeah. Right. I felt like, I felt like multiple times that this whole thing with my back and the pain god did to slow me down from the uh direction this yeah the the drive to like build more businesses make more money do all that kind of stuff like i felt earthly like, desires or yeah. fleshly mm-hmm. yep yeah um because i thought the same thing you know more and more and more and more yep yeah
1: i don't um I think there's more men that have, i have that story
0: Yeah, I think it's, that's why I said, like, that's an entire different conversation, Mm because I think that's, that's, I'm sure, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I know that that's a huge part of my journey, too, Mm -hmm. you know, is refocusing on not just saying it, but doing it.
1: Mm -hmm. Which takes discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because
0: the motivation comes later. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, this was awesome. Good stuff. I know we went longer, but it was like, this is why I did this. Yeah. Like. These are great conversations. Yeah, this is man. great
1: stuff. That's some good people on here, man. I appreciate he you, had brother. Some good, I appreciate you. This is awesome, man. All right. We appreciate it. Love All you, right. brother. Love you, brother. Bye-bye.